It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning, a little rainy outside this morning in Atlanta, 56 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden, my friends. I'm here as well. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. Get your question in quick, get it answered, go back to bed, wherever you're going to be this morning, and get it all done. Whew, gracious, we had a great big weekend, or week, I guess, this past week, I've been dog sitting and dog sitting is one of those things that you're never quite sure you're doing it the right way but you just hope you're feeding the right time and the right stuff and the water good and get the walk done and get everything done so i'm grateful to be in the studio this morning where there's not any dog responsibilities to have to uh, take care of one of the things though i'll tell you what i have been enjoying in my landscape because of the dog this past week whenever i take him out to the to the yard to to walk around to take care of business out there is the things that are smelling in my garden it smells so good right now and i was was one just practically grabbed me by the nose i was walking past a little arbor that i have nothing blooming on it but beyond it was something that had big pink flowers on it well big meaning fist size fist size pink flowers composite big ball of flowers on it and i took one great lungful of perfume from that plant and thought, oh my God, the Korean spice viburnum is finally blooming. Oh, wow, does it smell good. Korean spice viburnum. It just knocks me down every time I go by. It smells so good. I know I like Daphne. I know I like the paper bush. I know I like, you know, some of the early the um, honeysuckle in the January honeysuckle, the winter winter honeysuckle up in, back in the winter. But Korea Spice Viburnum is what brings spring to me. It just smells so good. And after it, they'll come the Confederate Jasmine. And after that come some gardenias and maybe some uh, fragrant flowers that I have, little annuals that I have in my, in my garden. Gosh, they smell good. So the, the sequence of flowering, in case you want to mimic the flowers and have something smelling just about all year long in your garden, first comes the winter honeysuckle. That's in January, usually just a warm day or two in January. You smell the winter honeysuckle. just smells great. Sort of spicy, a little bit lemony to it, I guess. And then after that, I guess I smelled the paperbush first. And paperbush is the one we've exclaimed about on the radio show before. It has white flowers and no leaves, no leaves at all on this big sticky-looking mass of, 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 of branches. But the white flowers, again, have a very fragrant, very powerful fragrance. You can smell it way across the yard when you have it in your landscape. After the paper bush in early to mid, I guess, February was the Daphne. Daphne came out and smelled great. And that's another one that my neighbors ask me about all the time. What is that that smells so good when we walk past your house? It is the Daphne that smells so great out there. The Daphne pretty well faded away. And then I guess it's the Korean Spice Viburnum started about four days ago. Ah, boy, does it smell good. Just remember it right now. It feels, smells so good. And after that comes the Confederate Jasmine. After that comes Gardenia. And after that, some of the just general annuals and perennials that stay in the garden that smell good during the year. Ah, man, oh, man. I really, really, really like fragrance in the garden. And if you have a 
hankering to have fragrance in your garden, plant one or two or three or all of those plants that I mentioned, and you'll be able to smell it and say, boy, this smells just like Walter's garden. <laughs> you smell one out in your garden. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. If you have a garden question, call me now. Go to the phones. Jerry is first in line. Jerry is in Canton, Georgia. Hey, Jerry. Morning. Good morning. Jerry? I have a very small yard. Yes, sir. And I've got some uh, clover starting to grow in it and some um, dandelions, and I want to spray a broadleaf weed killer. Yeah. What is the best time to spray it? Is it when it's going to be a sunny day and that stuff's trying to grow? That's exactly Uh, right. Spray it in the morning or the evening? Hmm. I guess given a choice, I'd probably spray it in the morning because then the leaves are photosynthesizing and they are bringing some of the chemical down from the leaves down into the stem and the roots and so i guess morning would be better but frankly i don't know of any research offhand that says that's the case in other words if you did it at night maybe it stays on the leaf for longer and doesn't evaporate as fast as it would during the during the sunny part of the day but my own habit i guess would be to spray in the morning at least maybe before noon if you want to get the maximum effectiveness on it is this, in a okay, lawn? is this in a lawn, Jerry, or where are the weeds growing? Yeah, in a lawn. I have a really small lawn, postage stamp size lawn. Yeah. So why not, if it's that small, why not just go out and dig them up? Why do you need to spray? Well, it's a little more than that. Um, <laughs> a little more than postage stamp, but not quite as big as a dollar bill. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've, dug, I've dug some of them up. So, I mean, do you like 10 by 10 or 20 by 20, or what are we talking here? Yeah, 20 by 20, probably. Oh, I got you. And what kind of grass is it? I don't know. It's uh, it's, it's a sod of some kind. Okay. Is it brown right now? Yes. Okay, so it's Bermuda or Zoysia, more than likely. That's, that's how we sort of differentiate in the wintertime, anyway, between different grasses. Is right now, Bermuda and Zoysia are dormant, and fescue is green. So, is it green right now? Got to be fescue. So yeah. Are you in, uh, where are you in Canton? Yeah, Canton, you'd have uh, fescue growing up there pretty easily right now. And uh, then later on in the year, you have other ways of telling grasses apart. If, in fact, I'll tell you right now, for brown grasses in the wintertime, the way to tell between Bermuda and zoysia is if you walk on it, zoysia very much feels like you have padding underneath, like there's a carpet with padding underneath, and Bermuda feels like you're walking on a carpet with no padding underneath. So maybe okay. you just walk around on your lawn, you can tell which one you have. Zoysia is padded, Bermuda not. Okay, I'll have to check that out. All right. Is that it then, Jerry? That's it. Thank you very much. All right, good friend. Have fun. I'll see you soon. All right, thanks. Bye. Watson. Oh, my brother Watson in Union City, Georgia, joins us this morning. Hey, Watson, good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning to you, sir. How you doing? Did I I smell some uh, sweet shrubs? You know, sweet shrub, it'd be early for sweet shrub. Mine don't bloom until... Early May is what I'm thinking. That's the smell sweet shrub. It, uh-huh. here's, a, here's a controversy. Here's a question for you, Watson. Do uh-huh. you smell sweet shrub strongly or weakly, or how how much of perfume does it have for you? Well, I, I got them kind of weakly. I will have to say, Watson, I have never smelled a sweet shrub where I could really identify and say, that is uh-huh. a sweet shrub. Boy, that really smells good. I don't wow. know what's wrong with my nose. I do not smell it. It just uh-huh. doesn't have a fragrance for me. Right. Okay. But uh, another plant that I, other people complain about that I don't smell at all, too, is Bradford pear. A lot of people well, tell I, me, oh, <clears throat> Bradford pear is blooming right now. Oh, it stinks, stinks, stinks. But no, uh, I don't smell that either. 
I've, I've had them for years, but I didn't plan any. They just came up volunteer yeah. many, many years ago. Have they spread out your sweet show? Has it spread very much now? I think so, yes. I'll, I'll be honest that I dug some up and threw it away about two years ago because it spread so much. It was just a big patch uh-huh. around a, a pine tree, and I needed to pass by the pine tree pretty close to the trunk. And I thought, dog, I, I love the plant. The sweet shrub is a wonderful plant. It has beautiful red flowers on mine. Sometimes you can get uh-huh. it with, right. with yellow flowers on it, too. But my red-flowered sweet shrub was just in the way. And when a plant is made, has made the gardener angry, then that becomes a weed. And so it became a weed in my garden. <laughs> I dug it up and couldn't think of anybody to give it to. And so I threw the sweet shrub away. But it is a good, native, wonderful plant. and does, to some people, have a great fragrance to it, like bananas, I think. But yes. not in my nose. Watson does not smell very good to me. I see. Okay. Watson, I got another question for you. Okay. You being a, a, a native of Union City, Georgia. No, no. Uh, I'm an implant oh. from uh, from uh, uh, Henry County uh, up to uh, to Union City, and uh, uh, during the Second World War, uh-huh. uh, from uh, Henry County, and uh, of course uh, Union City's been home for me ever since I got released from the Navy. Right. Uh, in uh, September of '55. Wow! So, a, did you know I'm the Gullat family in Union City? Sir, home, did you know the Gullat G U L L A T T Gullat family? Oh yes, sir, I did. It's I home, mean, I do. Homer and the rest of them over there. And right, so, Homer, Homer Gullet, yes, sir. Did you have any association with the Dixie, with the uh, park that was over there that had the big, big pool there on um, uh, Dixie no, Lake Road? I, I didn't. I didn't. That was just a little bit before my time. I got it. Okay. Well, I was just wondering because I've seen pictures of it. It looks great, wonderful, great community uh-huh. gathering place out there. But then it fell into disrepair and burned, and the you know wild yes, couldn't be done anymore. So I just wondered if you had any more memories of it. But if it was before your time, then right, just a little bit much to it. All right. Well, there we go. Watson, have fun with the sweet shrub. I hope yours blooms and hope you smell it real nicely. But uh, me, yes, not so much. We'll see you soon. Uh-huh. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the Lawn and Garden advice you need. A man walks down the street. Why am I soft in the middle now? Why am I soft in the middle? The rest of my life is so hard. I need a photo opportunity. I want a shot of redemption. Oh, Brother Paul Simon. Oh, man, what a great performer he is. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, showers mostly in the morning, a break in the clouds this afternoon. Probably pretty sunny this afternoon, as a matter of fact. Today, the high will be 74, low of 52 overnight. Tomorrow, mostly sunny. Thunderstorms possible. Again, low, high of 72, and low in the mid-50s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. J.D. is down in College Park and joins us on Lawn and Garden. J.D., good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you, sir? All right. What can I do for you? Uh, my, my ryegrass looks so beautiful now. <laughs> and what, what I want to know is uh, when it's time for it to die, what, yeah. in May somewhere in April, May? Usually May. Okay, I want to know, can I mow it all the way down and, and, and plant my fescue grass and you think I might have any luck with my 
grass. Mm, why didn't you plant fescue last fall, like I said, J.D.? Good question. Why did you ask, ask me that? <laughs> I'll put you right on the wall right now. Why didn't you plant the fescue back when you were planting the ryegrass? You'd have been a whole lot better because the ryegrass is going to die in May when it gets hot. And fescue could have been green all winter and green right now and mow it. And oh, my God. Spring. You put me on the spot there. I don't know, Wall Street. Just, uh, just, all right. Let's, I, let's get you out of the hole here, J.D. Um, all right, sir. If I were you, I think I would go ahead and try to plant fescue now. It's mid, mid-March, which is a great mm-hmm. time to plant fescue if you can't do it in the fall. And right. the bright way that you want to attempt this is to do something that gets the fescue seed really close to the soil. Because if it has any kind of distance between the seeds and the soil, they don't germinate because they're not warm enough quite. The soil is still cool, as you know, right now. Mm-hmm. So if there's any way that you can aerate the lawn first before you spread the seed out, after you've mowed, of course, you mow the, the ryegrass real low. But if right. you can aerate a little bit, get some little holes and pockets. If you can't aerate, then get a rake and just rake the yard good and hard, and then spread the fescue seed and pack it down a little bit if you can with the backside of a rake. Irrigate or let the rain come to you, and uh, you should have the fescue coming up pretty strongly in the first week of April, I would think. Wow, okay. I need to get to work now, then, don't I? Well, it's dark right now, but, you know, when light comes, <laughs> JD, you can go there. <laughs> well, now, if you're like my father, my father gardened and farmed a lot by the light of a truck, his Ford truck. He would just turn the light headlights on. It would be dark, but we'd be plowing up and down the field when it was what dark What a man. Night. What a man. Yeah, man, that's exactly right, JD. Wow. Okay, then. Well, that's what I'll do, sir. All I'll right. try that, man. J.D., it's great talking to you again. Yes, sir. Have a good one. We'll see you soon. 628 right, News Talk WSB. We've got lots to talk about in the next hour. And by the way, I will not today be at Autumn Hill Nursery, nor will I be at the uh, home show today, as I announced with such strong conviction last Saturday. I said it would be this Saturday that I'd be at the home show and be at Autumn Hill Nursery. No, I just made a little mistake in my scheduling. That will be next week where I'll be at the home show with the Cobb Galleria and at Autumn Hill Nursery up in Woodstock. So today I'm here in the studio and our number again, 404-872-0750. We'll be back right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 6.35 on a Saturday morning, still 56 degrees outside. Still raining in different parts of Atlanta, sort of a mist more than a rain right now. This is the Lawn and Garden Show. I'm Walter Reeves. I'm here to help you be more successful with whatever green thing you're trying to grow or whatever green thing you're trying to kill because it's made, made you mad because of a weed in your garden. All you have to do is dial the digits you heard a minute ago, 404-872-0750. There's a lot of things to talk about today, but let's talk about weeds first. Mimi is with us from Marietta. Hey, Mimi, good morning. Good morning. How can I help it, Mimi? Well, we have a beautiful zoysia lawn sodded that um, we use the pre-emergent, and in the middle of the summer last year, we had this chamber bitters coming up, yeah. which Pike Nursery said yeah. they could sell me something to kill it, but it would kill the grass. Oh, we don't like yeah. that. <laughs> so, it, well, it was too hot. It's too hot to use whatever they suggested, which okay. we kept for the fall. Okay. But it just, it spreads, chamber bitters just spreads 
so fast through our lawn. It's got seeds on it. Oh, yeah. And is there something else we can do to prevent this from coming up again this year? Let me first identify it to our listeners who are not sure quite what, quite what chamber bitter is. It's oh. the weed that looks like a mimosa tree. Yes. That's, that's the way a lot of people recognize yes. it. Oh, that mimosa tree weed, that little thing yep. that gets, you know, three inches to 12 inches sometimes high. Yeah. So mimosa weed or chamber bitter is another common name for it is a really tropical plant, maybe. And that's one of the things that makes it difficult to control because its seeds will germinate all through the spring and summer. And that's yeah. not the case with, uh, say, um, crabgrass and things like that that really want to germinate mostly when the soil is warming up in the spring. That's why the pre-emergent, we say, put the pre-emergent down in March, first of March, first week or two. Then and you're, you're ahead of the seed for the crabgrass germinating. Whereas with right. the chamber bitter, you're ahead of the first flush of germination for it, but you're not ahead because the weed preventer obviously wears away after a few months. By uh-huh. June, there's still more chamber bitter seed going, hey, 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 it's warm out here. It's hot. Come on, let's germinate right now and make me even mad. Right, um, right. So what you have to do is, number one, find an effective pre-emergent, which I'm going to tell you about in a second. And the second okay. is to apply it probably twice, once early March, to get the first flush of germination over with and, and controlled by the chamber bitter in April and May. And then another application, I would say around June the 1st of, of uh, each year, and that'll hopefully get all the seeds controlled that won't germinate and you won't have the problem much anymore. If you do that two or three years in a row, most of the seeds are going to be gone. And after that, just a little straggler here and there might pop up and you can just pull that out. And if you do that, right. then over. You know, the problem is... Yeah, they're easy to pull. It's just yeah. there's so many of them. Yeah, there are lots and lots of them. Okay, the... The part that I think you ought to look for specifically is dithiopyr. And I am not going to give you a whole list of the products that have dithiopyr in them. Okay. But D-I-T-H-I-P-Y-R, dithiopyr, I should have said D-I-T-H-I-O-P-Y-R, dithiopyr, because, and this is the reason I'm recommending it more than maybe some of the pendimethalin, which is HALTS, or some of the other products, is dithiopyr is a little more effective against broadleafed weeds. That is its saving grace. If you have a lot of broadleaf weeds, dithiopyr is better for them, and mimosa weed is a broadleaf weed. So we need okay. more of the um, stuff that will control broadleafs. So dithiopyr is what I'd recommend twice a year, once in March, once in June. Keep your fingers crossed. Do it regularly for a couple of years, three years maybe in a row, and you should get most of the chamber bitter under control. Okay. Dithiopyr. Dithiopyr. You got it. Exactly right. Okay, and you're a wealth you'll, of information. You'll have just to read the label. I mean, that's it's one of the things that we sometimes don't do, I think, is read that little chemical that says active ingredient on the label. It's got to be on the front of every container of pesticide. Okay. And if you don't read that, sometimes you're not sure exactly what's in there other than it says, will kill bugs. You think, okay, great, it kills bugs, but does it kill fire ants? Is it a bait? Is it a right. you know, something that kills everything at one one spray? What is going on? So sometimes it is important to learn the chemical names a little bit to recognize what they are. Which is true, because when we identified it, we went to look at them. Most of them don't cover chamber bitter. Yeah, so, exactly, exactly um, right. Yeah. I thought I here. Okay. I thought, here. You're That's wonderful. Thank you so well, much. Appreciate it. Occasionally, once in a while, maybe. Thanks for calling. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> see you All right. Bye-bye. We'll see you. 404 is the number on Lawn and Garden. If you have a question about your lawn, about your vegetable garden, if you have an organic gardening question, I would love to answer organic gardening questions this morning because I'll be starting in a couple of weeks probably getting ready to put the tomatoes in in my garden and I have some hints and things that I'm going to do. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you what I did last year that turned out to work pretty darn well, I think. 
And that was, I wanted to get the tomatoes in early, but it was still pretty chilly last year around the end of March. And so I thought, well, why don't we warm up the soil? How can we warm the soil? I went to the local big box store and asked them if I could have some broken shingles from, you know, home shingling from the roof. And they said, oh, sure, here's three or four over here that are busted up. We'll never sell them so you can have them. And so I took the shingles home. And you know how, how shingles have three tabs usually, one, two, three. And I cut three tabs off of each shingle and made a split with my razor knife down the middle and a hole in the center. And I put that um, shingle and the hole in the center around each tomato plant that I had in the garden. So the black color, I put it so the black color, the back side of the shingle was facing to the sun. And so the black color absorbed heat from the sun and warmed the soil directly underneath it. And I planted the tomato, of course, before I put the shingle around it. And so the soil seemed to be warmed up pretty well. The tomatoes did fine. There's no, you know, too much heat from the black surface of the shingle or anything like that. So it seemed to do really nicely. And by midsummer, the plants were nice and big and giving me tomatoes, the ones that the squirrels didn't eat. And so uh, I think putting the shingle around the tomatoes early in the season did two things. One, it warmed the soil. That's good. We want tomatoes to have nice warm soil for the roots to grow in. They're a tropical plant. They like warm soil. And the second thing is that many of us are plagued every year with a a disease called early blight. And early blight is a disease on tomatoes that has little black spots, and then the leaves turn yellow, and then they all fall off. (laughs) It usually goes from the bottom of the plant up. And the reason it goes from the bottom of the plant up is because the um, uh, soil is what holds the fungi. You can't sterilize your soil. And so if you let any of the soil jump up onto the leaves of the plant, then it tends to splash upward, upward, upward on the vine. And that's how the early blight spreads. But if you have the shingle on the ground underneath your little bitty tomato plant, that's one good layer of defense against soil splashing on the lower leaves of your tomato plant. See how that works? So that's why I think that, number one, the shingle does great for warming the soil, but number two, it helps with disease prevention as well. Two things, one stone. Cindy is in Atlanta. Cindy, join us on Lonnie Garden. Hey, good morning. Good, good morning. How you can were talking I help? about wide-leaf problem yeah. plants Broad in your lawn. Plants. Sure. Violets. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. Snort. Um, it doesn't, it's not affected by anything. What, well, what can you use against them except for going out there and driving yourself crazy digging them up? Here's a perfect example, Cindy, of reading the label and knowing what was in a product. Back 10 or 15 maybe years ago, that was before the time that there was a lawn product labeled for use against violets, and nothing really worked, as you found out. Nothing really works good against the uh, wild violets that you find in a lawn. But I looked at the label of a product called Brush Be Gone, and it had a chemical in it called triclopyr. And I thought, triclopyr. Now, I've known that the, the ag people, the farmers, use triclopyr a lot for broadleaf weed control in the fields. So I made a quick um, sort of decision that I was going to try to use triclopyr on my fescue lawn against the violets. It wiped them out, Cindy. It was great, and the uh, grass wasn't hurt at all. But because there was not a label on the on the brush begone that I was using, the triclopyr product that I was using, I couldn't say to Cindy like you, use this product, use brush begone against the violets in the lawn because the label didn't say lawns, and so I can't really tell you that to use something in a way that's not you know, instructed to do on the lawn, on the label of the plant, or the label of the bottle, I mean. So I used triclopyr for a couple of years, wiped the violets out, period, gone. 
And then a couple of years afterwards, there became a product that had a purple label on it. That's how we all referred to it as the purple label ortho weed be gone. So ortho and bonide both have a purple label, a purple stripe across the front of the bottle where it says strong weed killer, strong broadleaf weed killer, something like that. And the chemical inside is triclopyr, the one that the farmers have used for several years against their broadleaf weeds. And you can use it now on lawns and use it against violets, and it will do a great job against violets. Awesome. That was my second question, is now the time to do it? You want to do it when they're growing rapidly because they take some of the chemical down into the roots before they get really big and tough in the summertime. So great. Do it now. Yeah. The awesome. only caution Thank is, you so much. The only caution, Cindy, is don't do it late, late, late in the spring because sometimes when the Bermuda or whatever grass you have is greening up, and I know it's greening up a little bit right now, but when it's in right. active green up uh, uh, cycle of it, so it's growth, Sometimes the trichlope here will yellow it a little bit, set it back some, so try to get it done now, not later. Early in the morning? Well, we had that conversation earlier this morning. I know. The morning or afternoon <laughs> is better. I don't know. You do it after breakfast <laughs> okay, anyway. Whenever I can get out there. Whenever you can get out there, Cindy. You'll be fine. Got it. Thank you so much. You bet. Good talking to you. Be good. Bye. Don't forget, you can also ask questions this morning on Twitter. If you have a Twitter account, then just put your know, question to Walter is da 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 da. Put, put the hashtag ask walter hashtag that's the little you know tic-tac-toe sign on your computer hashtag ask walter on twitter and we'll read that out and answer that question ashley back when you used it on the phone yeah we called it pound pound but does anybody call that pound sign anymore I the kids wouldn't know what that would be they think pound is when you pump your fist with somebody <laughs> when you pound fists yeah you're right. Right, you're right, you're right so the pound sign or for old people the tic-tac-toe sign on your phone or the hashtag. Hashtag is actually something bigger maybe than the, than the sign itself. But the hashtag that starts with that tic-tac-toe or the pound sign, Ask Walter. Put that on your question, and that way Ashley can sort, sort them all out and decide who to, who to ask and who to talk about. Well, that's what Justin did on Twitter. Mm-hmm. He used the hashtag Ask Walter. said, when is the best time to transfer a mini Alberta spruce from the pot to the ground? Ow. And when can we start planting other evergreens? And I mean, he's in Cherokee County, but mm. not that far north. Yeah. Mm. For me, the best time would be is spring in Colorado or somewhere out north in Idaho or someplace like that. Spruces, actually, I know they're sold. I know nurseries sell them. If you want to put your money on the counter, they will take your money and sell you a spruce. Boy, they're short-lived. They just don't grow very well in Georgia. The heat in the summertime, I think, is what causes them to be so short-lived. But you will rarely see a Colorado blue spruce or Alberta spruce or any of those spruce trees. You just never see them more than five, maybe six years. They may get to 10, maybe 15 feet tall. And then they start yellowing. The needles start turning brown and yellow, and they all fall off. And you call me and say, what's wrong with my spruce? Does it have a bite? Does it have a disease? What it has is Georgia summer heat, and that's what causes the spruce not to, not to do so well down here. So to answer his question, I guess if you want to plant it, go ahead and plant it now out of the pot, but don't expect a long life for your spruce. Thank you. Right. you. You made bad news sound good. Well, 
I made the bad news at least uh, understandable, I hope. If you have a 30-, 40-year-old spruce tree, let me know, because I want to know your secret, because I haven't seen one yet that lasted that long. It's 648. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. shiny person on a Saturday morning. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Showers this morning scattered around the Atlanta area. Probably a break by noon and some sun this afternoon. High of 74, low of 52. Tomorrow mostly sunny all day long. Chance of thunderstorms throughout the day. High of 72 and a low in the mid 50s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Actually we had a couple of real quick uh, Twitter questions. What was the Twitter question that came in? Uh, David in Athens said, is red or purple fountain grass an annual or a perennial? Ooh, purple fountain grass. What a pretty grass. It is in Georgia, I would say most, the upper half anyway of Georgia, an annual plant. And my memory of purple fountain grass is that we didn't have a lot of it seen in landscapes in Atlanta until 1996. And what happened in 1996? The Olympics. And Roy Ashley was one of the landscapers who was invited to come in and make a sort of a palette of plants that would be common that a lot of people could put in their planters and they'd use downtown for the Olympic uh, venues and things like that. And Roy Ashley included purple fountain grass in that palette. And that's where growers in South Georgia and Florida started growing a lot of it. And then people who went to the Olympics obviously saw it and thought, wow, that's a good looking grass, we ought to have that. It is, again, annual in the north half of Georgia. In south Georgia, it can live uh, live for a while down there. In Florida, of course, it could be perennial down there pretty well. But I'd say it is an annual here. If you wanted to try to carry it over the winter, oh, man, it's not even worth it, I don't think. Too much trouble to try to keep it over the winter. Speaking of grasses, yes. this was so fast. Using the hashtag AskWalter, uh, Ryan tweeted at us, said, How do you feel about shade-tolerant zoysia? Depends on what your toleration, what your definition of shade is. And for some of us, shade is it's on the backside of the house, but never gets any sun all day long. Is that shade, or shade underneath a pine tree where it's pretty bright underneath it, which you have the little you know shade cast by the needles? So zoysia is to some extent more shade tolerant than some of the Bermudas. But now Bermuda grasses have been developed, the Tiff Tuff and, uh, and Grande, uh, Tiff, Tiff Grand, Tiff Grand. Uh, Bermuda grasses do have some shade tolerance too. I, I can't say all, all Bermuda grasses need full sun because some of them have a little bit more shade tolerance than others. Zoysia grasses typically will tolerate a little more shade than most of the Bermuda grasses. So it depends on the situation. It depends on how much shade and what kind of shade and how often the sun comes through and shines on that piece of ground. In my view, for zoysia grass to really thrive and to fight against weeds, and that's one of the things you want with a grass is for it to thrive, to be a good aggressor against weeds in the lawn. In my view, zoysia needs probably five hours of pretty direct sunshine during the day. 
in order to have enough bigger, enough growth, enough uh, aggressiveness to come out and, and fight against the weeds. If it doesn't have five hours of sunshine, soybeans tends to get a little thin, a little weedy, so you have to go out and control weeds every year. If you're not real good about watering and mowing and fertilizing, then it tends to get a little weaker after that. So it is more shade tolerant, but not completely shade tolerant, depending on what kind of shade you have. Thank you. And folks can find you and follow you on Twitter Mm -hmm. at Walter Reeves, right? And folks can find Ashley Frasca at at where? Where At Ashley Frasca WSB. Follow us both. Follow us both. Ashley Frasca WSB or Walter Reeves uh, on Twitter. Ashley, by the way, has more followers than I do because she does such an absolutely wonderful job tweeting the traffic every morning. She comes in and starting around... Gosh, 5 o'clock, 5 a.m., 4.30, and you got a tweet from Ashley, where are the traffic tires, what do you got to do to avoid the traffic? Ashley takes care of traffic every weekday morning. It's 6.58. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news.